It's great to have you here tonight. Uh, we've been reflecting on, uh, on the big picture of uh, our, our worldview, and one of, the, um, one of the things that we are experiencing more and more uh, within, uh, within our culture is a kind of dissonance, a kind of um, uh, a tension, actually, between, and this is increasingly the case, uh, probably a generation ago, this, this was less of, uh, less of the case, but a real tension between our, our biblical worldview and uh, the, the worldview that I guess is, in, this is a very, in a very generalized sense, the worldview of our culture. And, and I don't mean to, you know, I'm not here to culture bash or there are many, many wonderful things uh, about the culture in, in which we live. Uh, we're very privileged actually to live uh, with, in, in, in such a wonderful country and there are many great aspects of that. But there are some aspects of our culture that are of course problematic and, uh, and that, that are that we're increasingly feeling a sort of clash of worldviews. And, um, and we're finding that there are, there are certain Christian values that are becoming, in a sense, increasingly distasteful um, in, our, in our culture. And, and not, you know, people's responses to uh, some of the things, some of our values, and, and uh, particularly, and of course, I mean, the famous example of, you know, some Christian values around, um, around sexuality and, and views, uh, you know, connected with that. I mean, there's a deeper, there's actually a deeper issue. I'm going to talk about the deeper issue um, uh, tonight. But, um, but the response to this really, in one sense, comes from, from sort of a valid place, in a sense. I mean, people generally are just wanting to be kind and accepting of people, no matter what their lifestyle choices may be. But here's the thing, so do I. <laughs> and, and I hope, hope uh, so do you uh, as well. I personally don't really know many, or if any, uh, Christians who are bigoted, intolerant, homophobic, prejudiced, or even unkind. I mean, uh, that's just, you know, and yet yet I think we we have a tendency to get stereotyped uh, like that. And and people, um, you know, people are quite hostile. And I think that causes some unfortunate responses from us, you know, as Christians, that I guess we, we can just want to run and hide, really, you know, sort of protect ourselves, because no one, you know, it's like that, no one understands me, and, and uh, you know, we can just run and hide. And, and I want to talk a little bit about this tonight, and, and this is an extension of, uh, of what I've been talking about for uh, the, the last, uh, last couple of times uh, that I've been up here uh, talking about this, approximately every, every second week. Essentially, it's a clash of, of worldviews, a clash of sort of frameworks um, uh, for, our, for our thinking. And I've illustrated in this way, and we'll, we'll just, for one more time, let's, let's put, this, uh, put this model up. All models, uh, you know, uh, no model ever depicts everything perfectly, but let, let's go for one more, uh, one more turn at this. Um, the, the clash really has to do with whether we accept what I'm calling either a single horizontal axis, because uh, increasingly our culture doesn't really acknowledge, it, you know, mainly in practice, doesn't really acknowledge uh, a transcendent element to life. You know, there's no transcendent standard, there's no transcendent element. There's no, it, and, and I've illustrated that by a vertical axis. There's no axis that run, you know, of, of holiness and sacred. I mean, people use the word sacred, but, uh, but a sense of something being holy and sacred and uh, that comes from, uh, 
this idea of divinity and that there is a God who created things for a purpose. This vertical axis speaks of a, of a sacred purpose for things, right? And, um, but if you, don't accept, you know, if you don't accept that, you're left with this horizontal axis where life essentially, and, and your values actually, completely change. It's, it's amazing how radical effect this has actually uh, on your values because as soon as you get rid of that transcendent element, because you know, when you have that, the, the primary value is about elevation, is about becoming you know, the best, um, you, you know, uh, it's, it's about becoming human in the fullest and most divine sense, the most divinely ordained sense, right? But if you don't think that there is that uh, ideal, of course, we all sh fall short of that, but that's why Jesus Christ came to bring forgiveness and grace and um, sort of unlock us from the bottom end of that, uh, of that experience and, and, you know, so that we could, we could become fully the people, uh, you know, that, that God wants us to be. Um, and we're all on a journey. You know, the Christian life essentially is a, is a journey of elevation. We never, no one ever gets there, but, but uh, gr grace always covers the shortfall, doesn't it? You know, Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but we're all on a journey uh, upwards. And, and the journey is the, is the thing that makes the most sense, right? So that's our value, right? We wanna, it's, it's, it's a, the, the greatest value is put on that journey of, of elevation, right? Be holy as I am holy, the Bible says. Take that journey. Journey, right to to inhabit your your sacredness as a human being but if you get rid of that axis of course all you're left is with the horizontal axis and then the primary value of life um, uh, completely changes and it changes in, in a couple of different ways if you get rid of that uh, vertical axis and all you're left with is that horizontal um, that one dimension of human experience what um, one philosopher refers to as the imminent frame. There's just this, there's just the natural, there's just what's natural, there's just nature and I'm a part of nature and then, you know, then you completely changes, you, you, you know, completely changes your values and, and it does so in two ways mainly and this really is the root of the disagreement with, you know, if you're talking ethics or all of these other things, they actually, the, the real root clash are these two assumptions that underlie uh, the issue that a lot of people have and, and where the clash of values really is. These are a couple of things that people today who, who, just, who just really only acknowledge that, that one vertic, uh, horizontal axis, these are things that they, well, paradoxically, hold sacred. <laughs> um, the first is that, well, if there's no, you know, if there's no transcendent element, no divinely ordained purpose, if I don't acknowledge that, then actually I become autonomous. It means that we determine who we are and what is right for ourselves. Okay, if there's, if there's no transcendent, you, you, are, you decide who you are and what's right for you. Now, here's the thing, even as I say that, I guarantee there's probably part of you that thinks, oh, that sort of sounds right. That's because of our, it, it, it sounds right because we're, we're, be, we're being conditioned to uh, actually sort of accept that idea. Oh, yeah, I, I decide what, who I am and I decide what, what's right, right for me, don't, don't I? Actually, it's a completely ludicrous idea, <laughs> really, because it depends on there being only one, that, only, that single dimension uh, of reality. 
and no transcendent dimension. But people hold that absolutely sacred. You know, and so if you don't touch that, hang on, I decide, I decide uh, I'm autonomous, I rule my own life, I determine who I am and what is right for me. Now, the problem, one of the problems with this, it's actually, there's a real, uh, in, in, in a way it's a very cruel sort of view because it means if I, uh, if I determine who I am, then my, that feeling of acceptability or self-acceptance comes only from the degree to which I feel like I've succeeded in making myself who I think I need to be. Or it comes from how much people actually accept who I've decided to become, right? So, the, so you, I, I don't think anyone ever really gets there with that because there's no inherent, there's no inherent sacredness then to, to human. Any feeling of acceptability or value actually comes from my degree of success. You know, have I actually succeeded in becoming who I think uh, I, 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 who I want to be? Um, so, um, so that's that's the number one thing, though, that people tend to, to hold sacred now, and and it's actually it's actually a real problem in many different ways. That's a real problem. The second thing that people tend to uh, hold um, hold again, paradoxically, holds sacred as this, uh, and, and hold very close, and if you, you know, don't go near this one, is that the purpose of life, and this is on the, again on the flat horizontal axis, that the purpose of life is for us to fulfill our desires. That's the purpose of, to fulfill our dreams and desires and that we're entitled to do so. And again, oh, that sort of sounds, kind of sounds right. Like in our cultural context, but it's actually, it's actually quite ludicrous, in fact. I mean, it's kind of universally accepted in our culture, not, not, not in any other uh, culture. I mean, in fact, uh, I would suggest it takes, it takes a high degree of privilege. Like, you have to live in a really privileged situation to feel entitled to that, because that's not the experience of, uh, of most people. But that's, you know, don't, you know, uh, that's... Um, you know, that's something that people hold dear. And interestingly, there's even a close connection between what I want and who people connect. What I want actually becomes who I am. Now, that's a weird one. I remember having this um, conversation, I think I was in my 20s at the time, this conversation with this guy who believed that, you know, again, didn't believe in any transcendent element, just total horizontal axis kind of thing. Uh, and and he, he felt, look, he said, look, it's, it's unnatural. The whole Christian ethic, uh, you know, around sexuality, is, and, and we were just talking about that element. I mean, there's lots of other issues, but we were just talking about that particular uh, element. He says, completely unnatural, you know, it's completely unnatural. He said, I, I you know, as a, as a, you know, male member of my species. I have this natural desire to want to sleep with as many women as possible because you look at the animal kingdom and, you know, the, the male monkey wants to impregnate as many female monkeys or whatever, you know, whatever animal uh, you look at. I mean, this was, this was his, his argument. kind of makes sense if you're working on a, you know, on, on a flat uh, axis. And so he said, that's natural. So the whole, this whole, and what he was taking issue with, right, because he said, so if I ever get married, he said, I, that my marriage needs to be an open marriage. 
needs to be an open, because, you know, he said, you Christians, you, you, you know, you're putting limitations around what, what is natural. It's just natural for me, right? Um, and, and so, yeah, he said, you know, it's, it's open marriage. Well, I said, you know, I think the conversation went uh, something like me saying, I'm not sure if that's actually what uh, sort of marriage is. I mean, and, and, um, and back then, actually, this part is still in the marriage formula. There's not that much of it left, but... Uh, but, you know, to the exclusion of all others, you may have heard that in the, you know, de- sort of definition of marriage. Well, he disagreed with that. Uh, that's not natural. That's like the Christian influence. You're just trying to shut everyone down, spoil the fun, you know. Um, and, 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 and I'm, you know, I'm trying to explain what, yeah, you know, but, and he said, no, no, this, you just need to, that's, this is, uh, you just need to accept that's, you know, that's the way that, it's the way that I am. And I said, listen, mate, I'm not trying to, I'm not, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying what I believe. I'm not trying to force it onto anyone else. Or, um, uh, but it was, a funny, it, was a, it was a funny conversation because it was like this clash of values. Like even, even the words that we're using actually mean different things because we're working in completely different frameworks. <laughs> like, you know, uh, and, and so even the communication becomes like, well, it kind of makes sense if you just accept that flat, uh, that flat framework. Um, uh, so, so I think th- this is, as I said, this is something that we're finding in increasingly to be to be the case. And and so we have this this kind of lost in translation thing happening, you know, where the things we we have these values that are based on there being this whole other dimension uh, to, to to human existence um, uh, that 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 is kind of getting blocked out. Now, interestingly, though, what, I, what tends to happen, because a lot of, in fact, most people actually still believe in God, but what, what is more common is that they will only accept that horizontal axis. So those two sacred truths, I decide who I am, you know, and, and, and the purpose of life is to fulfill my desires, but they want to inject God into that. And, and actually, interestingly, a lot of, uh, a lot of, no offence or, or anything, but a lot of Christians actually do this. We, you know, we inject God into that. Like we, we accept that flat way of living, uh, and then we inject God. And it's God's job, thank you very much, to actually help me realise all of my everything that I dream and desire, because I'm entitled. I mean, I'm entitled to that, right? And that's God's job. Um, you know, and a loving God would accept me for who I am. Well, actually, a loving God actually defines you by his love. It, it, actually, a loving God uh, actually, um, uh, actually determines who you are in, in, in the most fundamental sense. So, um, so that's, you know, this is part of the reason why things get lost in translation, why there is this clash. Because in fact, um, the biblical view of humanity is the highest view, is, is actually the highest view of humanity that, that, that is out there, really. It's absolutely beautiful in many respects. And, and you wonder, well, hang on, but what, what's, you know, there's, there's such a high and sacred view of humanity. Why is this? Why has this become so objectionable in our culture? And it's actually based. It's actually because it flies in the face of those two things. Like, let me let me just understand. I've talked about this already. So, 
in Genesis chapter one, verse 27, it said God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them, okay? Now, so what it means is that therefore we are significant and absolutely sacred. And that sacredness is inherent within us. It's not achieved by one and not another. Okay? It's inherent by us being created by God because God creates us. We don't make ourselves. We don't determine who we are. We're created by God and therefore we are inherently sacred, not based on our achievement. We're sacred because we are God's children. So, and we're, we're, we are created with a purpose to actually reflect God's glory. We're made in God's image to reflect God's glory. A little bit like the illustration that I've used is like a diamond. Um, the, the glory of a diamond is in the way that each diamond uniquely um, reflects the light, you know, refracts and, re and reflects the light. Uh, and that's us, actually. Our, the glory of, of humanity is the fact that we were created to actually reflect the glory of of God, each in our unique way. So, Psalm 8 says, yet you made them only a little, uh, Psalm 8 verse five, yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor, speaking of humanity. Crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, put all things under their authority. We are absolutely sacred, but here's the thing. That much, I think, most people are fine with. It's the implications of that. As I've said before, if something is sacred, you can't just do whatever you want with it. If something is sacred, then an anything goes approach to life just doesn't go with a sense of sacredness. To actually live with an anything goes attitude and I'll just do whatever I want, that actually flies in the face of the very concept of sacredness. Because if something is sacred, it has a higher transcendent purpose. What I'd, what I'd like to do then is actually speak to an opportunity that we have, um, having outlined that. I, I, I wanna move towards being a bit more practical, actually, you'll be happy to know. Um, because what, you know, what, what, do we, what do we do about this? Because what I, what I find, sadly, because there's this kind of clash of worldviews, people respond uh, in, in, in a few uh, different ways. Some, you know, some Christians, and, and I think this is rarer, and it's a very unfortunate response, almost delight in the offense. It's like, I'm just gonna be offensive, I'm gonna be really belligerent and throw it in people's faces and just, just deliberately be, you know, be offensive. And I'm sure there's no one uh, here uh, like that. But you know, uh, for some reason, if particularly belligerent people just love that. I'm just gonna throw it in their face and, and um, be abrasive and, and, and offensive. And then, you know, and then when people, uh, you know, kick back, it's like, oh, oh, I'm being persecuted. You know, I'm being persecuted for my faith. No, 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 you're being persecuted for being an idiot. I mean, really. Uh, so, but, but I'm sure there's no one uh, here uh, like that. Um, and then another response, and again, this comes from the, the cultural pressure. Another response is, 
because it does kind of feel mean, right? If you think, oh, yeah, what is wrong with that? Like, because, you know, no one gets hurt and what, what, what could, you know, I mean, and, and it's not that we're, listen, when, when, when no one's out there telling other people what to do, I often point this out, we're not telling anyone else what to do, right? Uh, we're not even demanding or forcing this on, on people. Uh, you know, we, we don't want that. I mean, because God doesn't do that. Like, actually, in, in the second half of Romans chapter one, um, you know, it says that because people didn't want to worship God as God, therefore God gave them over. Right, go, live, how, live however you want, go then. That's what God does. He gives them, you know, gives them over. So we're not, no one's, you know, uh, no one is or certainly no one should be wanting to actually enforce our values uh, on, on, on others. Um, uh, but there's, you know, there's this enormous pressure coming the other way and because it just kind of feels a bit mean and, yeah, you know, we... And, and so actually a lot of... Un, and unfortunately, um, this is increasingly the case. A lot of Christians just capitulate. just feels kind of kinder to just take on those values, you know, because they do sort of make sense. Like I said, those things kind of feel like, yeah, I suppose... Yeah, just um, yeah. You should be able to do whatever ever you want, you know. And and and, um, and and we just. And the problem with that is that we we it's it's completely goes against our, our whole worldview, you know. Um, that that option of just sort of capitulating. I guess it makes us seem more um, culturally acceptable and uh, and so forth. But but I think a more common. Uh, a more common response is that for a lot of people is what I said before, is that we just hide. It's like, oh, I don't know how to even talk about this anymore. <laughs> you know, it's such a clash of worldviews. Um, I'll, just, I'll just be a Christian and, and I'll just keep really quiet about it. You know, I'm just not going to tell anyone. It's just easier not to take this. Because who wants to be stereotyped, right? Um, uh, and, um, and so... So we just say nothing. We don't even tell people that we're Christians. Just I'm going to just go ignore the, you know, um, avoid the whole uh, the whole dilemma. The problem is, how is that going to change? How is that ever going to change? Because the amazing thing is, all it takes, someone can hold all of the all of this many terrible stereotypes about Christian. They can hold hold that, but it only takes one great example. One relationship with a, with, a, with a Christian who is just a, you know, who isn't all of those things, uh, which is, you know, which I think is everyone in this room. And it will, actually ch- it will actually change their perception. You actually represent your faith. You represent your faith. You represent Jesus. And if we go hiding, then all that's left is just the stereotypes. Um, but that's not the main reason. The main reason is that we actually are called not to put our light under cover, but actually to let our light shine before people. This is what uh, Jesus says um, in uh, Matthew chapter five. He says, you are the light of the world. And light is connected in, in the Bible. Light is connected with glory. Think about what I said about reflecting the glory of God, right? You are the light of the world, Jesus says. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. 
Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What I would suggest then is that we don't try to win the battle of ideas because we have a wonderful opportunity actually not to go lecture at, at people, not that there's anything wrong with lecturers, uh, not to lecture, not to lecture people, you know, and not to try and win the battle of ideas and have endless arguments with people. And, you know, actually, we're not primarily called to do that. We are called actually to be a witness, to be a witness. And a witness is a certain, there's a certain and, and unique opportunity to that. It's the opportunity not just to talk about some, something, but actually in a way to give people a taste of something. So instead of just arguing about ideas, and I'm not saying don't have conversations and discussions with people, and sure, you know, challenge, you know, you can challenge the way that people think. I mean, I quite like doing that. And, uh, but, but actually, the most significant thing, whether it's you or me or whatever, the most significant thing that I'll ever do is actually be a witness, to get beyond just arguing about abstract ideas and trying to win a war of ideas is actually embody something, to actually be filled, to, to actually embody this myself, to find the peace and the joy, to find the joy of elevation, the joy of, of, the, of the holy and the sublime and the sacred, right? to immerse myself in the joy of that, to immerse and, and to discover the peace in that, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and, 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 and the glory of God. And there's such a joy in that, that actually people, people are so hungry for joy and, and, and they, you know, they, they go hell for leather along that horizontal axis, looking for joy, joy, and even the people that succeed and get everything that they want are invariably left completely empty. Like, it's a desert, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's a drought out there. <laughs> it's a spiritual drought in it, you know, out there. And, and people, people, I believe, are increasingly hungry at this. They might, they might, you know, disagree with all of our, all of the things that we, all of the theories and the, and the, you know, they might disagree with everything, but they're still, I believe, increasingly, people are spiritually hungry. And when, when we, when we are amongst people as a light, and we carry that joy in amongst people, I believe the hunger is such that when people get the least sense of that in us. I believe that is something that they will draw out of us. And what this means for us is instead of hiding, because there really is something really powerful within you, and, and God will bring people around that, and God, God wants to actually emanate. It's actually God that does this. Because you know? 
This is the reason why we shut down and hide is because, oh, gee, I just don't know how I'm gonna, how could I be, you know, how could I be a witness? And, and, and so we just shut down. How can I even explain this? And, and so we shut down. But actually, God is the one that shines out of us. In fact, Jesus even said, God will give you what to say. And it's not about winning arguments. It's just about being open about your faith, just being open. And the way that I've illustrated it uh, before is that in our, in our fear, what we do is that imagine, um, imagine a, a, a shop, you know, floor to ceiling window, big window, and a luminous shop, right, with all these wonderful things uh, in the shop. Uh, because God has filled us with wonderful things, hasn't he? He's filled us with his goodness and, and, and his peace and his joy. There are wonderful things. Um, but what we do because we're kind of afraid is that we pull this big metal roller door down over that window, right? And it's such a tragedy because there are such beautiful things in that shop. And God actually wants to give people a glimpse through us. We are meant to be the windows to the sacred. We are the windows to what is sacred. You, can't, you can never convince someone by arguing that that dimension exists. But we can give them a taste of that. And we are the windows to the sacred, the divine, the holy. We are the windows to the glory of God. And so I think if I wanted to shut this down, what I would do is make Christians really afraid. Quick, pull down the, pull down the doors, lock them, you know, to make us so afraid and, and despair at being able to ever explain anything to every, anyone. I'm just gonna pull down that lock and I'm gonna lock it. And you do that for a while and the door gets kind of jammed, doesn't it? And there's such beauty behind that door. And what God is looking for are people not with complicated and sophisticated arguments to win a war of ideas, but people who are willing to simply pull up that roller door and go and love people and be open and just to shine in the midst of people and to speak openly about the things of God and faith. Matter of factly, like I mean, you probably do it with each other. You love sitting down and talking about faith stuff. And I do too. And actually, the people that I love talking about my faith to more than anyone else is the people that don't believe. There's a real, there actually is a real joy to that. When you get past the arguments and you don't, you know, don't do that. It's just that, just sharing the light that you have within you. Pull up the roller door, God is saying. Pull up the roller door. Let me shine through you. Don't worry beforehand what's gonna happen, right? God will bring exactly the right people. God will, you know, because God is a, is a, is a reaching out God. He's a, he's a, 
he's a God that's in constantly inviting and he wants people to see and to hear and he's a God of love and so, but, but he wants us to be the windows into the household. We are the windows. Jesus is the door, but we're the windows to the house of God. God's saying, come on guys, come on. Pull up the shutters, open the shutters. Open the shutters, don't shut people out in fear. Let's just be open and see what happens. Let's shine as lights. Every single one of you has been touched by the goodness of God. All God is asking is that you just be open about it. Just be open and let God shine out. I'd like you to stand, and as we stand uh, together, I'd like us to pray the same prayer that actually um, is recorded in the book of Acts as the first, it's it's the first recorded corporate prayer of the early church. And you know what they prayed for? (laughs) The first recorded corporate prayer of the early church, this is what they prayed for. They prayed for boldness to be open about their faith. Because equally, you know, they knew that there were elements of their faith that were gonna be, you know, people gonna struggle with and, and, and oh no, people might not like me and who, who you know, we, no, no one likes people not liking them, right? So it's, you know, and so they were, you know, they were afraid. Of course they were afraid. And so they prayed, Lord, give us boldness. It's like, you know, to, to use that illustration, it's like, Lord, can you, you know, can you, um, you know, pour a bit of oil on these rusty roller doors? You know, it's gotten a bit jammed here, Lord, right? Can you help us to get this thing up and get the roller door up? That's what they prayed, Lord, boldness. I'm gonna pray that over us right now. And I just want you to, if, as, if you could just close your eyes. And if you feel like particularly, if you feel like this is really for me, I, I've, you know, I've been hiding, you know, I've been hiding um, here a bit and <laughs> I just need to be a bit more, uh, a bit bolder about this. Um, just while all of our eyes are closed, I just want you to stick up your hand. Um, uh, thank you. You just stick up your hand and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for boldness upon us all, but particularly uh, on those that just particularly feel like, oh man, I, I, I just need to get this rusty door uh, a bit more open. Father, would you, would you help us, Lord? Would you give us boldness, Lord God? Father, we come to you in faith, Lord. In a way, Lord, we've been deceived. We've, 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 been, we've kind of been duped a little bit, like, you know, there's something to be ashamed of or something, you know, our fear is never based on truth. And Lord, we know, Lord God, that if we open up, like, sure, there, you know, people might not like us or whatever, but, but we, we're gonna do this and pray this, Lord, believing that You are the God that shines through us. You're the one that does the shining, Lord. <laughs> you are the one that shines. We're the diamonds that You have created but our beauty, our glory comes from your light. And so Father, we make a choice, Lord God, to pull open these doors and be the windows to the house of God. Father, that through us that people would see and feel and sense, no, there is something more. There is something more to life. That through 
our testimony, through our witness, Lord. May people know You. So Lord, give us boldness, we pray. Give us boldness, Lord God, to be the windows to a whole other dimension of reality. We thank You, Lord, that You are a God who shines. And now we pray, Lord, would You shine through us. In Jesus' name.